On this week's episode of Friend Code, Reggie Fizeme is retiring. Capcom overpriced switch ports, and Sakurai does he work a little bit too hard? Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Friend Code. I'm your host, Michael Damiani. This week, I'm joined by Michael Huber. Hello. Kyle Bossman. Hello. How's it going, you two? You you teased three bummer headlines, dude. Yeah. yeah. It's like bad, well, bad, bad. One yeah. of them, I feel I feel like there's good in, in, in two of them, at least. Yeah, it's good that Reggie's retiring, right? It, it's a changing of the guard. Wait, that, really? That's a, that was one of the good things? It's a changing of the guard. Okay. And going out, it seems like... You know, going out on your own terms. I, I feel like that is the probably the best way to go mm-hmm. out. Um, yes. Sakurai delivered, delivered a great game, as you know, we'll talk about. Yeah. The Capcom thing, we'll see if we can find any good in that. <laughs> more money out. for Capcom. Uh, yeah, more <laughs> money for Capcom. Um, yeah. Uh, before we dive into any of our news topics for today, uh, two things. First, uh, some logistical stuff. Well, logistical stuff. Yeah, you might be wondering, these topics might seem a bit old compared to what we did in the last episode because we just talked about Pokemon in the last episode. So the last episode was the first of the extra episodes we'll be doing in case you didn't watch the last episode or see the Patreon post. Essentially, Friend Code will remain on its every other week schedule for recording. However, if uh, big news drops in between recordings, uh, we're going to schedule an extra episode to cover that as soon as possible. Those episodes will go up immediately for everyone, so no early access for those episodes. They will be normal episodes, though, and that is the the kind of balance that's been struck here to to be more timely and reactionary to to big news. And let me know how you feel about that in the, the comments for the, the Patreon post for this or in the comments of the YouTube video. Because it's by no means final. It's subject to change. If, if people think there's a better idea, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm open to suggestions. And uh, I'm doing my segment of important corrections. Ooh. Important corrections. Because I usually, Aren't all I corrections usually, gloss, important? I usually gloss over like really small corrections. It, <laughs> it's like a technicality. Something like that. I, 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 it's nice. But when you're speaking on a show... Unless you have a computer in front of you or you're walking the encyclopedia, there just could be some things that you either just like that are just blatantly wrong, or it just it comes out and you don't re- you realize you're saying something that's not entirely true. Every time I speak, I have that fear. <laughs> like actually, is yeah. this is not subconscious. Yeah. You are yeah. actively like, like oh, interesting. Is this right? <laughs> huh? Okay. <laughs> But there were two important ones. Are like, you saying the, the corrections in the Easy Allies podcast are not important? Is that, that what is, is implied here? That's, that's completely up to you, Kyle. <laughs> it's, it's subjective. <laughs> uh, that, that, like, I, I can't, all right, let's I hear can, some not, important has, corrections. Well, we got, two, we got one thing blatantly wrong, okay, right, really badly right, wrong. Sure. In fact, it was, uh, you call it misinformation, actually, Whoa. because it was part of the discussion of the news. Um, the other one was something we just didn't acknowledge I think is important to bring up. So it's less of a correction, Kyle, but you kind of do that too on the podcast where we just glossed over something and it probably should have been mentioned. Yeah. Well, it fits in this. First one is when we're talking about the Bayonetta 3 update about uh, the, Bill Trinan made a statement on the Nintendo Power podcast. Yeah. Uh, Bill Trinan wasn't referring to Bayonetta 3 in the clip that I, I played on the episode. Biltrain was still referring to Astral Chain. Astral Chain is coming sooner than which is com- yeah, which is coming yes in August yeah. and by the end of 2019, which is exactly what Bill said. The thing is, I only listened to the clip 
that was linked to, and it, it obviously it sounded yeah he's he's referring to Bayonetta three. If you listen to the whole segment of that podcast, that that topic, you'll realize that the setup was that it, it gives context that says that we weren't talking about Bayonetta three. We we're talking about Astral Chain. It's just in the the work starts and he says Bayonetta three. You think that's the subject when it actually wasn't. So. Apologies for that. So that is uh, Bayonetta 3 is probably not coming this year <laughs> and not coming sooner than uh, we expected. And then the last thing was we talked about uh, Oninaki and our thoughts about it on uh, the Nintendo Direct episode. These are both from the Nintendo Direct episode, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chrono Trigger's director, uh, Takashi uh, Tokita, is a creative producer on that game. Because I think it came up about, will we ever want to, like, will we ever get another Chrono Trigger or why would yes. we be excited for Oninaki? And people point out you should be excited because the creative director of Chrono Trigger, or sorry, the director of Chrono Trigger is a creative producer of this. They also did uh, Final Fantasy Four Warriors of Light as well was their most recent game. So they've done they've done good work. One good game. One good game. I don't know. Some people think that other game's good. They did. That's a DS game, right? With yeah. a really nice yeah. looking and what style. Was, they did another uh, SNES era game called like live a life or life a live i forget what it is it's some i don't rec i just saw it mentioned and stuff but yeah if you're looking for chrono trigger potential in that game i don't see it i gotta say that like hey it's got some uh 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 prestige right now but like i still i'm not more excited about that game than what i've seen kyle do you feel like this is when they or huber you too. When they got James Cameron to speak highly of Terminator Genesis, where it's just, where it's that situation where you have a big name attached to it, right. but it's you know it's not. That's the thing with the producer credit is you never know how hands on yes. someone is. You know if they're just putting their name on it, like hey, so and so presents, or if they're boots on the ground, all in, checking in every week or two, like guiding the development. So you never really know. Yeah, I mean, they could be having weekly meetings even, and it's like that level. But mm-hmm. really, to me, uh, there are very few video game directors who were making games in the 90s who are still good at doing it today. There are very, very few. And so to me, like it's you have to be able to prove it before I'm like, oh, man, I can't wait to see what this person's, if this person still has it, you know? Yeah. The, no, that definitely makes sense. It's Ed Boon. And Hideo Kojima. That's it. Just two guys. <laughs> those, those two? The only ones who still have it. Oh, okay. So, sh- like, Miyamoto? <laughs> Miyamoto doesn't direct anymore. It, I, it, I do think he's still got a touch. I think there's still something in there, but, like, he's not he's not hands-on directing a game anymore. I got you. What about uh, Koizumi? He's not directing anymore. Did he direct Mario Odyssey? Super Mario Odyssey? What about he's not directing Shinji Mikami? Yes. What about Hideki yes. Kamiya? Thank yes. You. Yes. 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 Well, yes. Was Kamiya a '90s? Yeah, Resident Evil 2. Yeah, he's '90s. He's, he's yeah. late '90s. You know, yeah, he's like 32 right bit. Yeah, well, like, I always forget we like, when, what year that was. We gotta count it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's right on the cusp there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it's Suno, dude. Don't we cry? Mm-hmm. I mean, he, well, don't he did three. Yeah, and that was 2000. That right. was not. Yeah, that just, was not missed nice. <laughs> just missed just it. Just missed it. Just missed it. But yeah, I think it's, a, it's it's it'll be interesting if that game is like secretly good, right? And then we can like look at this director. I'm sorry, I didn't get his name. Takahashi is that what it's said? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, 
I went too far. Uh, sorry, it's uh, it's Takashi Tokita. Takashi Tokita. Uh, I think that yeah, I think that hey, if this game is actually secretly good, then we can look at that career a little differently. We're like, man, this guy actually really has something. Still, can't wait for his next game. My fear is titles creative producer, right? Has cool ideas, but they're not the one doing like the programming, not doing the design of the game. The environments or the budget, so, so yeah, and the budget. So they yeah. have ambitious, uh, ambitious ideas. They don't get fully realized, mm-hmm. and you're stuck with uh, a game that sounds like it's kind of like Left Alive. Yep, mm. yep. Still really curious about <sighs> Left Alive. That yeah, I give read, it read the first review. It's today, dude. It launched I today. Read the first yeah, review and oof. yeah. But, I'm hoping for swimming in sevens, dude. I'm really hoping. <laughs> it might be like swimming in fours. Yeah, I know. I need to play it. I need to play it. We'll yeah. see. That's it for important corrections. Let's get into our first news topic. Yes. Reggie Fizeme, president and chief operating officer of Nintendo of America, announced in a emotional video he will be retiring from his position at Nintendo on April 15th and will be succeeded by Doug Bowser. <laughs> Bowser look, is looking me right in the eyes Bowser when you say that. Is oh, taking yeah. over Nintendo. <laughs> and before I don't want to get into like I've got some background here, but I just want to know first, like, raw feelings about this when you heard this announcement. Bittersweet. You know, like you were saying, everyone going out on their own terms is great. Like he had a phenomenal career, dude. No regrets, you know? So it is an end of an era. It's obviously sad when like the new generation takes over the old Naruto bonds. <laughs> uh, but you know, he I went was, on in his own terms, and I'm I'm happy for him. I was trying to look up Doug Bowser's age. I don't believe he's that much younger than Reggie, if not older. Mm-hmm. That, like, that that's shocking to you. It doesn't feel like a new generation taking over, is what I mean. It's more of like a lateral, well, passing. It, could also be i mean age isn't always the determination of like a new, generation like, well generation maybe and like that's saying like new blood coming in but new sure, ideology I, sure 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 sure. It, yeah. it, it definitely couldn't signal that because doug we, bowser came in 2015 or something like pretty recently uh, yeah it came in 2015 yeah um and uh was a uh, doug bowser came in in 2015 here's his background uh joined as the vice president of sales and uh, and the funny previous no the funny part is he previously worked at Electronic Arts and Procter and Gamble. The I said it's funny because Reggie Fizeme also at one point worked for Procter and Gamble as well. Yeah. So uh, now nah, every CEO spends some time at Procter, Procter and Gamble. Gamble. Yeah. Okay, P and G. It's you a big get, corporation. Yeah, yeah. So start looking now. Start you got to put through, some time in P and G. Go through your, go through everyone's LinkedIn. You might find the future <laughs> NOA presidents right there listed right now. Um, I think though too, like yeah. he. You know, I don't know how old Reggie is, but you have to think of that position he was in, that job, the amount of work, just aging you. Comments. You know? <laughs> More than that. The just comments like you, add wrinkles. The comments, just dude. the responsibility. Yes. Like, yeah, doing yes. that for so many years must just take so, it out of you. That is a really good point. You you will see people who, it's not just not to be mean spirited, but you'll see them at the start of a job. Yeah. They look relatively young and healthy. Yeah. And then you'll see them towards the end and 
you would like guess that their age difference was huge. Mm-hmm. It looks like they put on way more years than they've actually aged. Barack with- Obama. That's just going to say that, that was a good one. Like, almost, it's like almost that, every yeah. president who yeah, goes yeah. through the presidency kind of goes through that change, which is just it just shows. Like, I think it's stress. Yeah. No matter how much you can love your job, it still can technically be stressful. Definitely. And that position, despite like all the fun and love he gets from fans, still probably so much stress. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of it we probably will never even hear about. Um, yeah. But yeah, Reggie. So a little history on Reggie here for those okay, curious. Nice. Bring it on. Um, Reggie joined Nintendo back in December of 2003 in the middle of the GameCube and Game Boy Advance era. And he started as the executive vice president of sales and marketing. And a uh, little under the radar until E3 2004 rolls along. And during the Nintendo's uh, Nintendo's E3 presentation, back when they did live presentations, Reggie comes up on stage and uttered that famous sentence. My name is Reggie. I'm about kicking ass. I'm about taking names. And we're about making games. Which, in retrospect, seems like really edgelord. (laughs) Yeah. Because it was very un-Nintendo. Yeah. Nintendo was known up to that point for being very conservative not aggressive like that yeah. <laughs> and it was just so aggressive yeah dude. Like, that's so aggressive how yeah when you did you did either of you see that live when it happened or watch it eventually after it happened i assume well, the I first did, time you I saw it what i've was seen your a reac- clip i think yeah. you had to be watching g4 to watch that yeah. live at the time well, what was your reaction when you first G4. saw that uh man it's funny like i think uh so 2004 E3, I oh so it's summertime and I've just graduated. So man, I'm probably checking out like One Up or something and like just uh like I remember the internet reaction, right? Like it wasn't my own reaction, it was a shared reaction because I don't think I watched this live. Um and right, it's probably like Stephen Totillo's write up on like who is this guy? Uh, like Brian Crescente, just like the, Reggie Fizume is like I don't know. Like it's funny to think about like where I was at at that point. Um, he definitely changed the online identity of Nintendo on that day, like single handedly. Yeah. Like uh, absolutely, that happened. Um, and obviously, like if you're 18 at that time, like it, it doesn't. It still seems doofy to you, right? That's not a cool thing to say, Man. but it is an identity shift, and I think that was the idea. What about you, Huber? Yeah, I was in high school, junior year, so I was definitely watching it with Brad. I had G4, but I don't remember specifically the moment, you know? But, I mean, like, GameCube to me was still intense you know i always thought nintendo wasn't this like family friendly child thing like yeah they had mario and stuff but like to me growing up you know they had golden eye they had turok they had like resident evil remake like yeah so i was always under the impression that like you know you had playstation and nintendo and then microsoft was like the intense one you know whereas like nintendo and playstation to me were on equal terms equal footing i distinctly remember making fun of my friend for only having an N64. <laughs> so good. It was It didn't have Metal Gear Solid? It didn't mean, have Final Fantasy? This, it's like, dude, true. you're getting yeah, that big golden eye though. Yeah. That, that is kind of yeah, that is yeah. kind of the history of Nintendo through the 90s and through probably the early to, through the end of the GameCube era and a little bit after that is that first it was Sega going after Nintendo trying to appeal to an audience that Nintendo wasn't speaking to. Mm-hmm. I think during the 90s Nintendo was kind of like in the middle a bit they had like play it loud they had some more interesting marketing and and branding at the time to try and counter that 
And then, you know, PlayStation comes along and they're just, they go everything that Nintendo wasn't essentially. Yeah. And they, they did all that as well. And I think going into the game, at the point Reggie stepped into Nintendo, uh, I think Nintendo fans still enjoyed and loved Nintendo, especially the GameCube. But it was clear that Nintendo had fallen in prominence. Uh, it saw the decline starting in the N64 era, losing to PlayStation. And now with the PlayStation 2, already been out, had a lead. GameCube was well behind on that. Nintendo, that E3 before that, E3 2003, to me... So for some reason, I remember seeing these E3s online. I don't remember having G4 or anything like that. I remember maybe it was 1UP. I, de- I definitely watched E3 2004 on the, the internet. Sure. Um, because that was the, the E3 2004 was also like the, the Twilight Princess reveal. Yeah. Reggie's got, I got one more thing for you. Mm-hmm. Like, what a way to end the show. But the previous E3 was kind of a disaster. Uh, a lot of bad, like, it was the Pac-Man versus was their focus. Oh, so they're talking about Game Boy Advance Link Cable. Yeah, that was like their big reveal. Yeah. Uh, they did have a trailer for uh, Metal Gear Solid Twin Snakes, which was pretty cool. But besides that, it felt like the lowest point Nintendo had been in a long t- like ever. Sure. At that point. So bringing Reggie into me, my reaction to that was, oh, Nintendo needs business again. And in that, like, the Twilight Princess announcement, I mean, it wasn't called it at that point, but New Zelda, to me, that spoke, we care about, we're not, we're not abandoning, you know, our, our loyal fans. We are not abandoning our core games. We are going to keep making games that our players love, that you know you love, and we're going to, like, we're not going, you know, we're not giving up. Because there was talk about... Nintendo's doomed. I mean, that was like the first time it, it comes that back. That wasn't in cycles. the first time, but yeah. I mean, serious talk. People, okay. because uh, Sega was going through the transition of leaving the console market, You're right. the hardware market, we sorry, had just witnessed to, that. Go, to go third party, uh, multi platform, and there was talk about Nintendo might be next. Yeah, that's fair. It was a lot that of. Was, the, that was fresh at yes. that point. Yeah. And when Reggie came along, it felt like we're not going down without fighting, at least. Yeah. So, felt good. Felt good. Reggie, so 2003 to, to 2019, um, almost uh, almost 16 years. Uh, it would be a little 15 years and, and change, essentially. So, a long time at Nintendo. Oversaw the launches of the Wii. DS, 3DS, Wii U, and most recently the Switch. So that's a lot of hardware. Yeah, lot. And uh, E3 2007, another good moment. Reggie famously said when he was unveiling the Wii Balance Board, "My body, my body is ready." <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, came a great, great little catchphrase for him he embraced it it was great because it came a meme afterwards it's always so awesome dude he just yeah. embraces all the memes and the jolliness like you nicknames know? like reginator yeah. like fans come up with that he just stuff leans into it just, yeah i don't know the yeah it's interesting to think about you know what it's going to be like without reggie we'll get to that but uh reggie one last thing about uh reggie that I want to point out because I always found this interesting because this was the big headline when he joined Nintendo. Uh, like I remember reading the press release. So he served, he, he worked at a lot of positions before he came to Nintendo of America. But the one that always stuck out to me was that he was the director of national marketing for Pizza Hut mm-hmm. where he oversaw the launch 
of the Bigfoot Pizza. No way. And the Big New Yorker. The Bigfoot Dude. <laughs> I remember that. Hard to, hard to explain no to people way. who like weren't what? watching TV at that point. Yeah. Great commercials for the Bigfoot Pizza. Yeah. It's a it's a square pizza. It's a big square it's pizza. That was Reggie. That was Reggie. The commercials were so exciting. Dude, life changing. <laughs> yeah, life changing factoid right there, Dominic. Mm-hmm. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah, uh, I mean, I remember that distinctly being in the press release <laughs> when they announced Reggie joining Nintendo. Because <laughs> like, whoa, supervisor of the Bigfoot <laughs> pizza. Big pizza, man. It was. I do remember it like upon first. Like that is the next we detail you heard about him. Dig at that it time. up and read it right now if we yeah. wanted to. Um, before we get some questions about uh, Reggie retiring and Doug Bowser coming in uh, to to take the role of president and chief operating officer, I just want to point out mm-hmm. all this is going down one day after the Game of Thrones final season premiere. A small connection here. Oh my gosh! Reggie just wants to retire to watch that yeah. last season yeah. of Game of Thrones. Absolutely. No, I'm kidding. I just want to talk about Game of Thrones because that new trailer dropped today, yeah. and I, had to, I found a way to work it in. Uh, let's get some questions. Let's talk about some real stuff. Kyle, I don't think Kyle's happy about that. I'm not happy about that. Kyle, like, I'm not clapping for that. Uh, from first patron question from Matt. <laughs> I just hope Sheldon makes it through the season. <laughs> but now you can put in the search or the tag. You can tag Game of Thrones. Dude. You'll get more traffic. Tag it. Tag, tag it. it. Tag Thanks, it. Yeah, Bloodworth put in a little yeah. hashtag at the bottom. Hashtag. <laughs> Easy Allies, Podcast <laughs> Rink Code, Game of Thrones. Boom. Game of Thrones. Um, oof. First question from uh, Matt. Were your bodies ready? But seriously. Oh, okay. What were your favorite Reggie moments? I know I kind of spoiled two of them, but yeah. any other moments that you remember? Anything else that he was involved in that stick out? Uh, I, there are two for me. Um, mm-hmm. For some reason, they're both not positive memories, but they're Reggie memories nonetheless. Oh. Um, one is, uh, uh, so I'm QA at Activision at this time. Uh, and we, this is this was crazy. This is when we were in like the actual Activision building where the basement is like all QA. And what's so funny about this is that uh, there's a vending machine with, water in it that you have to pay for but there's a free soda fountain <laughs> and so all wow. of us just like just got soda all just drinking soda non-stop because water costs money um but uh in the break room on the tvs we'd be watching e3 like trying to like just take as many breaks as you could and i just remember him talking up metroid other m like it was just going to be the craziest new game. He was so proud to announce like we're working with Team Ninja. We're making a Metroid game for Wii. Here it is. And in that moment, I was impressed. Same year, nice. uh, Final Fantasy fourteen was announced. Different press conference. And then the he other just one sold it. What he sold it. He sold Metroid yeah. Other M. And I and I actually got to go to E three that year because I was working at Activision technically. Like it just said Kyle Bossman Activision. I'm like haha. Uh, <laughs> And I remember seeing Jeremy Parrish playing it. I'm like, oh, my God, Jeremy Parrish. Um, but then uh, becoming quickly uninterested in that game ah. upon like looking at it for four more seconds. Uh, uh, but then the other one I remember is the Wii U E3 where uh, – the Wii U is like finally unveiled, and the one more thing was fireworks for Nintendo Land. And then – uh, at that time, working at uh, game trailers, working at the E3 stuff, 
and Reggie having to come back to that studio to talk to Jeff Keighley about like how much that just sucked. And like, you know, yeah. like it, it was, it's funny to like watch him maneuver around like how much the Wii U sucked. Like obviously those, those were probably the, the wrinkles and grays years, right? Like mm-hmm. that was probably the most stressful time yeah. coming off the massive success of Wii and just like having to somehow sell this product. We're about software. Yeah. Was his catchphrase for so long. It's Play like, we're about the, the game. games. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 What about you, Huber? No, no specifics, but just any time he was with Keeley, it was just pure entertainment. They have a long history. Yeah, and just yeah. because, you know, there's a, there's a difference when interviewer, interviewer and interviewee don't know each other versus when they do know each other. It just comes off more natural. It comes off more real. So anytime, anytime they got together, good stuff. Whew. Got, a, got some too. Um, going off the Keeley thing, early one, 2005, did an interview with Keeley about Twilight Princess. And it was kind of, temporarily, it was kind of like famous because Keeley's like, all right, Reggie, when's it coming out? And Reggie goes, tell your people, like, <laughs> Keeley, tell your people, it's coming this year. It's coming to GameCube. And then it gets delayed. And, like, everyone replayed that interview. Uh, like, what's up, Reggie? It's coming this year. Uh, I felt so bad. But, like, uh-huh. stuff like that. Um all the skits that yeah. Reggie was in, the seeing him reimagined in the robot chicken type skit, seeing the uh, the Mega sixty four one where he really was the Reginator, and he was down to play. It was, and he really was cool. Down yeah. to do it, and the like for me the most legendary one, the him and a Wada fighting each other. Yeah, uh, for dude. Smash Brothers. Oh, uh, for the announcement of Mies. Yeah. yeah, yes, that was so cool. Yeah, They'd probably. I hope they had so much fun doing that. But yeah, a lot of. A lot of great memories there, and uh, it's a really good one. Definitely be a end of an era right there. But question number two switches from our favorite memories to from uh, from Tommy. What do you think Reggie's most important moment during his time in Nintendo America was? Showing stability during the Wii U. You know, the Wii U to me was is my least favorite console I've ever owned. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just bad times, you know? It was yeah. just not a good time to be a Nintendo fan during the Wii U era. And he just, every time, man, would just go up and be like, we're good, you know? We're getting some games. Don't worry. Just hang tight. And, uh, you know, I, I imagine that, again, like you were saying, the gray years. Yeah. That being really hard. But yeah, he championed it. So this was cool. This was linked on Twitter uh, the day that he announced his retirement. Uh, but it was about – this is very recent. Uh, there was a big hubbub around when uh, uh, there was the interview with Dan Hauser, one of the Hauser brothers, and talking about how you know like they spent 100-hour work weeks. And then that ballooned into this whole thing of like, Rockstar makes people work 100-hour work weeks. You know, It became a whole thing. Mm-hmm. But it raised a conversation that was worth raising is about crunch time. Uh, in video games um, and then Reggie's response to direct questioning about it was really powerful uh, in that he says like look uh, obviously we crunch at Nintendo but the way we crunch is we hire more temporary workers because like uh, quality of life is so important uh, we value that above everything else Like, and all we can do is talk to like we have only so much control we don't control the entire industry but we talk to our partners and we we just try to lead by this example and basically we probably don't know 
Reggie's most important influences over what happened with Nintendo because like Nintendo America by and large just accepts what Nintendo Japan does and has to repackage it right but he did have a ton of influence that we'll never know about when he's talking to Nintendo Japan uh and uh the way that he leads Nintendo of America uh you know stuff we're not privy to the stuff that's not memes and so yeah I thought that I thought that was really cool to read that quote from him and uh yeah how important humans are to him you know, a workforce is is comprised of humans, and I was really surprised to see that coming from Reggie. Just uh, the compassion from him, which is cool. Yeah, good view point of view to have. Good to have that that person as your boss. You yeah, know, having him say that. Yeah, that, uh, I'll see your answer about you know what important decisions they actually made. We might never know because it's all behind the scenes. The like things come to mind. You know, you get Nintendo America and Reggie used to get like a lot of flack for like localization decisions. Mm-hmm. And there's always been like back and forth over whether they have any say versus, you know, Japan telling them what should be coming out and when, you know, that there's a little bit of both, um, honestly, there. So be, be, maybe at some point, you know, they'll like say like, yeah, Reggie, you can go ahead and do a candid interview, talk, like, you know, post retirement talking about all that stuff. It'd be really nice to get something like that. But for me, um, besides ones we've talked about already. I would say all the launch events usually held like at the New York store, the Nintendo uh, Nintendo store over in, in NYC. Just having them there at the launch event, handing out the first of a console to the first person, so jolly, and that dude. photo op, oh just gosh. like always being there. I feel like yeah. maybe they kind of start at least in North America. That was tradition that, that was started with them. Uh, others have since done. I remember PlayStation Four. They tried to do that same thing, like handing out the first PS4. Mm-hmm. I don't remember like the first PS3 or PS2 having like a photo op like that or being talked about who bought the first one. But Nintendo kind of turned it into like a big deal. It was basically it heralded the the start of a new generation for for Nintendo with each new console or handheld, and it was like exciting. Like it made launches exciting. I th- I feel like even with Switch, like people were excited for the Switch. And it had Breath of the Wild, but I feel as we move along in time, I feel like maybe it's just my age, but console launches aren't as hype as they used to be. Mm. They've become more commonplace, as a matter of fact, and I feel companies are pushing it. It feels more like it is part of a, com- like a consumer, you know, commercial product versus you know the like that 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 veil has been lifted too much. I think for 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 me on some of them, and. I don't know. Like, I felt good about Switch, but, like, it didn't feel nearly as awesome as, say, like, when I got my, my got the Wii. Probably because we live yeah. in an era of, like, so many updates, you know? Constant updates, phone updates, hardware updates, patches, just update, update, update. So maybe just a new console seems like just another update. Yeah, but know? I mean, like, also, like, dude, PlayStation 2... Uh, <laughs> Not even knowing what it's going to look like when yeah. you plug it in. You know what I mean? That's unrivaled. Yeah. That, that, that can't occur again. Yeah. <laughs> Just like I've seen screenshots of SSX, but I have no idea what it's going to look yeah. like when I plug it in. You know, it's just too crazy. Yeah, I feel working in the industry, too, kind oh, of sure. diminishes a little bit of that magic. Because you kind of see, you, you see behind the curtain. You know how things work. So a little bit of the mystique is gone, you know. And, you know, but it, I feel like it's always a good trade-off. Because you get to you get to see a different perspective on things like that. Um, next question we talked about our important what we thought was his most important uh, moment, but the next question actually came from two people. Uh, pretty much asked the same thing uh, from uh, from Travis and from me one two three. 
Um, so I'll read Travis's version first real quick. Uh, one of Reggie's greatest strengths was his ability to play a character. Between his iconic one-liners, appearances in fun campy skits, Smash Brothers challenges, and so many more public appearances, Reggie was more than just an executive. He commanded attention while being almost universally beloved. And he's a meme. My question is this. How important is it for Bowser to develop a character at Nintendo, and how can he differentiate himself from his predecessor? Thanks, love, and respect. And in Mii's version was with Doug Bowser era coming to Nintendo of America, what would be a good first impression as the new president of NOA? Cosplaying Thanks. as Bowser in his first Nintendo Direct. So so the E3 presentation... Oh, well, it'll yeah. be April, so they could actually do a Direct before... Coming out as Bowser. So coming out would as Bowser. It, it, slay. It'd be so good. Would uh would it be like in a costume or do you think they would CG Doug Bowser? <laughs> Both. And you, High budget, dude. Like I want, I want more of this. Is it just him walking out to do the announcements or is it gonna be like an elaborate skit where yeah, a skit, they're a skit. walking him we're walking him to Nintendo America headquarters and he like yeah. walks in his Bowser yes, yes. and he's like sending like the Koopa Troopas to, all, yes. like, to take over like the different like cubicles and, and, and stuff. Like a, a bit like first impression bit. And then he comes out just as himself, like, hey, I'm Doug Bowser. Like, <laughs> I like this idea. Yeah. Don't know if they'll do that. But. No, I don't. <laughs> I, love, uh, I love the subtlety of it. Like his announcement back in 2015, it has Mario and Luigi tied up behind him. Like, I think just like doing a totally straight, like, hi, I'm Doug Bowser. I'm very pleased to be the new president and CEO of Nintendo of America. Yeah. But like... I don't know, at the very end, like, panning out, and he's just been, like, just mutilating some Mario or something. You know, they, like, that's oh, way over the top. Sorry, I mean something subtle Jeez. like that. Yeah, yeah, Where, yeah. like, if you were paying attention, you know what I mean? Like, if you play it backwards, he's saying Mario sucks. Like, I don't know, just, like, maybe that's it. But honestly, like, uh, more than jokes from him, I want to see sincerity. I want to see his yeah. personality. Uh, I want to know what's important to him. Um, and... He already has so much goodwill, I feel like, just... Because everyone is like, ha Bowser. You know? He, it's already, he already Bowser, has some points. And he's willing to play with it. Yeah. That's the thing. It's yeah. like, he's he seems like he's happy to be in this position. He seems yeah. like he's cool with this strange community that's going to treat him so poorly. Uh, and so, like, I, I think, you know, it's not going to be an easy job for him. But, yeah, we need to see his personality first and foremost. So, one of the things that I was looking into about this, because I was curious, and people brought up in... Uh, comments in other places i i would love i would love for him for for doug bowser to continue on the tradition of reggie fils and be more of a public figurehead but at the same time we've also seen kind of a changing of the guard over on the japanese side so with uh, Kimish, uh, kimishima and uh furukawa the the pre- uh, previous and current uh president of nintendo um they're less on camera personalities versus like Satoru Wada mm. who like for, seemed to love doing it or at least that's what he wanted to do and it torch has kind of been passed on to the actual developers now uh you've seen the 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 uh forget their name the uh director of Splatoon doing like their 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 updates for that you've seen Koizumi do updates for that you've seen Takahashi do updates as well they're all part of like directs. They're letting the developers have the screen time, talk about their projects, and also how they're impacting Nintendo. I wonder if on the North American side, they start 
you know, maybe do it like for the North American directs, they, they, they maybe do some of that as well. Like either giving um, other members of Nintendo of America, maybe Treehouse members, uh, a voice to talk about. Um, would be and, kind of interesting. And it's been that for regular directs for a while. Mm-hmm. Reggie just coming in to announce maybe a Zelda game at the mm-hmm. end. Uh, but I think E3 time has got to be Bowser time. I think E3 yes. is like, I think that's got to be Doug Bowser time. Like, I don't want to see too he, much. He needs, yeah, I feel like, yeah, he needs to be introduced as, you know, president and CEO to the world. Yeah. Um, and to this industry, <laughs> you know, properly, uh, I would say. And I, I think that will be an important moment. But I could see going on from there. Um, other other people could step in. I could say going both ways after E3, essentially. And, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious because that is a question to ask is, will things kind of stay more the same as they have, at least for the past two years? Like Nintendo's strategy with, the, you know, directs have evolved and they've kind of got, like, a good formula now. We got, like, the big directs for, like, E3 or specialized directs for individual game series. And then, like, the... The quarterly or the or the the, the like kind of like mini directs which have like you know the headlines like the structure of it it's kind of like down pat now. I mm-hmm. wonder if they just like stick with that or if do you think anything will actually change uh, with with uh, Doug Bowser coming in. What I know I'm stereotyping. What I know of CEOs is when someone walks in, even if things are going well, uh, they want it to do it their way. They believe that, hey, this is my opportunity. I've been waiting years for this. I know the best way to run this company, and I'm going to change a thing just so people, I can put my stamp on this company. I think there's no way it stays the same. Okay. What about you, Huber? Any inklings? Um, I think the consumer or, like, you know, I, I follow Nintendo, but not as intimately as others. I think... Uh, from just the general mindset, I don't think we're going to see a lot of change. But if you go into the nitty-gritty of, like, internal company workings, I'm sure he'll, like, fiddle and tweak here and there. But for the most part, like, E3, I expect to be the same and the directs to be the same. The one thing I would say to your answer, Kyle, is as far as, far as we know, Reggie is retiring of his own free will. You know, it sounds like he wants to spend time with his family. He's had a very illustrious career and going out at a high point with like the switch on top you know mm-hmm. what a way to go out yeah I, I it doesn't feel like someone either being kind of either forced out or hey you know, like the board has voted that you're you're being demo- like you're being moved to another position he's stepping out i mean and i understand like as but- a as a podcast guest yeah. as, as a supposed podcast podcast moderator i feel like i feel okay floating this out there theory 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 it came a month after they had to report that they're not going to sell twenty million. Like it came a month after, like Nintendo had to say we're below expectations. And uh, we'll get to later. There's oh okay, there's other, all right. There's, there's, okay. Well, I mean, my in a too long didn't read version. Yeah, people fixate, including the investors, fixate way too much on that when they're missing all this other milestones being shattered. Yeah, software sales are through the roof on that system. I'm only it's concerned about my bottom line. It baby. came very close to hitting its goal and is still selling very well and, uh-huh. and still like I I I just don't understand. I feel sometimes this is like kind of like the larger discussion the pitfall of like the gaming industry and in triple A development mentality with like investors is that unless you're beating each previous like year, yeah. you're doing bad, which yeah. it's not technically true. 
Yeah. Like companies can still be healthy and doing well, even if like Resident a year saw a slightly decline or something. Resident well, Evil Seven did worse than six, but it was like a success. If you're a publicly traded company, like that's that's the sad truth is that you have to grow, or else nobody's interested in giving you, you money. Can't, but like people are just unrealistic sometimes. You can't you can't have sustained growth forever. Yes, and sometimes things normalize and then they'll grow again. I feel there's too. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not like that type of like that's not my speciality. But an outsider looking in, it seems ridiculous sometimes. Yeah. It seems a little bit ridiculous, and it also ties into like a lot of issues throughout the industry more than just like that. When like AAA games don't like sell millions, but they didn't hit like nope, that was disappointment. It just yeah. it, it speaks to a lot a much larger, broader problem. I feel like that the that, that and if that has there's any merit to that that. Especially how well the Switch is doing, I would say like that's on par with like what Activision just did with all their layoffs. Hey, we had a record-breaking year. Boom, layoff people because like one thing you know, you know, either one minor thing didn't go right, or we're just doing it because we want to keep like we need to sustain this growth. And the only way to do it is like cut, you know, trim some of the fat. Which it's like, wait, they, everyone did great for you. I don't know, like. Not hitting one milestone goal that seemed a little bit ludicrous to begin with. Yeah, I, I felt like they were saying that just to push themselves. I was like, and I, I never honestly thought they were going to hit it. <laughs> no, I was like, I get it. I know for you investors, don't say that to push yourselves. You say that to investors. Like, here's what you can expect to growth of the investment you put in our company. Yeah, they 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 revise it up too. So I mean, they they were very optimistic. Yeah, and I understand that, but. Look at some of their other milestones that they 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 achieved in the fiscal year from uh, that back uh, from the fiscal year report that was really uh, Nintendo's earnings report that they did. Um, it's yeah, their software is off the charts. Best selling Zelda game ever, ever. It's it's like it has the potential to go on and like outsell like I don't know. This is ludicrous, but like who knows? I mean, just got like another second win with that nice video they put out that like. Uh, person climbing the mountain to go play yeah, breath of the wild again, dude, they're still promoting year, it right? yeah, yeah I, and i bet when they announce the next one sales will probably go for people want to catch up or something uh, basically i i could see it outselling most of the zelda series combined me too uh, that's just it like games now huge. man games now are just selling more than they ever have yeah it's if you just i mean it's first party software is selling well but also some third party software is selling pretty well too on there I don't know. I, I I feel like Nintendo's in a really good spot right now. Insane. It's like it's such a bummer, Damiani, because they were doing so much worse during Wii U, but they had such ex- crazy expectations on them because of their first year of Switch that uh, it's almost as if, like, yeah, to an investor, it doesn't matter where you're starting, where you're, like, where you end. Sorry, where you're starting from, they only care about your growth, your percentage of growth. And so that's what's crazy about that. It's a great point, Kyle, because... This is probably why Reggie looks like he's aged so much because he has to. He's the one who has to deal with this, yeah, like face to face with this type of stuff. And I'm sure that's the type of thing that'll give you gray hairs or make you, you know, like lose your mind. By the way, we've we've been saying that a lot. I don't think he's aged that much. No, Reggie looks good right yeah, now. Yeah, Reggie looks oh, great. Oh yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah for, for for sure. I'm saying internal and, aging. Yeah, yeah. Also, you know, yeah, like stress. people would. I see like the thing of comparing his like 2003 pick to his 2019 pick. It's like that's 16 years. Yeah, that's yeah. a lot of time. People, yeah. like, you're supposed to age yeah. in almost 20 years. Yeah. Come we, can't on. All, we can't all be poor. Uh, I was like, yeah, look how young you look. Like, yeah, that was 16 years ago. Come on. 
but I mean, that's the stuff that, uh, that stresses you out. Yeah. That we always don't, we don't get to be a part of that. We don't actually see that. So I do wonder, sense. I wonder if someone yeah. walked into his office and was like, hey, like there's a lot of pressure coming in from the board. Like, I wonder if that happened, you but know? why would it like, just why be him, as though? As much would as it, we... Wouldn't there be changes? Hmm? Have Switch sorry. sold more than we yet? Yes. Okay. Oh, sorry. No, 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 not no, the OG we. We yeah, yeah. it sold more than. I wonder now. if they're just like, why aren't we there? What's up? The Wii sales. The question, I know. Yeah. The investors are just like, why don't we have this? Yeah. Like, everyone loves the Switch. You're selling all these games. Like, why, why don't we have this? Yeah. Why are we singling out Reggie, though, in all this? Because that, he's the that, front that, man. that goal he's is a, that was a yeah. worldwide goal. When did that fall on the executives in Japan as well? Executives in Europe? I like think. Several major territories? Yeah, I, I would think so. But I think. Uh, I an NOA just handles a big region. And I think, you know, that the. The Americas are expected to pick up a big part of that twenty mil, right? Like it's supposed to be a big margin of that. There's a topic we'll talk about later. Okay, that might provide some insight into that in your theory, Kyle. Great. But I want to move on from uh, Reggie's retirement, and we got some uh, some a few smaller topics to talk thank, about that thank, happened. Thank you, Reggie. But one yes, last, yeah. Reggie. One last thank, thank you, Reggie. Reggie. Sorry to end on a negative note, yeah. but like, yeah, what a job. Um, it's gonna. Not be, it's not going to be the same, but like I'm excited for what Doug Bowser has in store. I'm excited for Reggie to just like, oh yeah, hang out, man. Yo, <laughs> like do it up. I, I don't know. Yeah, like I I don't know the man personally, but man, if you got to do what he did in 16 years in Nintendo plus whatever all the stuff he did before, but from my point of view, like 16 years in Nintendo, what he did, freaking awesome. Yeah. Like. I bet to him wow. it feels like he's been working 24-7 for the last, like, 25, 30 years. Yeah, I mean, like... <laughs> Just, like, nonstop. If you look at Microsoft, if you look at Sony, and yeah. especially the people who are in charge of their gaming divisions, we've seen a lot of turnover. Mm-hmm. And so that 16 years actually... It's uh, an eternity. Yes. Yeah, we didn't... Oh, man, we didn't even talk about this. Um, sorry, the the report that came out from uh, Japan about Nintendo, its average employee makes eighty thousand dollars a yeah, year. Yeah, saw that. Uh, they have with like, like not that many hours. They have, too. Like, they have like yeah, they they have so many hours. They have like two bonuses or a year. The oh, their average age was like thirty five, I think. Or something. Yeah, yeah, like the, this is report, and I saw a lot of people retweeting like, hey, like American businesses, you know. Look at this, essentially. Yeah. You know, treat your employees better. Like, employees stay for life. And they recruit in the their fiscal year ends in the spring, which is when graduates, college graduates come out. And that's what they recruit from colleges. Awesome. They go to colleges, recruit them, bring them in, and you're there for almost, like, average employees are almost for, like, their entire, like, work life. That's so cool. So, like, for all the negative stereotypes that get perpetuated about Japanese work culture. Mm-hmm. Nintendo seems to be doing something right over there. Are we going to touch on that again in this podcast? What? Japanese work culture? No. Oh, okay. I don't think so. You teased it already. No, we're teasing Japanese sales data. Okay. That's what I'm talking about. You're talking about Wii versus Switch. No, I'm talking about Sakurai, dude. Oh, we'll get oh that too. We'll get to that. Okay, all right, all right. Yeah, we're referencing so many things here, man. All right, there's Dude, a lot of opportunities for smooth transitions yo, there, Damian. Yo, spoiling it. Okay, Come on, right, no okay. set photos. Yeah, no set photos. <laughs> set photos. Oh no, yo, don't talk about the leaks. Yo, man, reading it. I watched that Game of Thrones trailer. I'm not watching that. I don't even. Don't I watched even, the trailer. Don't no, nothing. Me. It's like no, it's nothing that can it's everything there. That's never been true. Except in the thread. Except in the stupid thread about it. Someone posted something. I I was like, who? What the hell are they talking about? Two posts. 
later. So we're just dropping leaks in here, like like non mark spoilers. Yeah, no. I was like, all right, I'm out of this thread. Bye bye. Set photos. I, I didn't know there were like leaks for the final season. I was like, no, 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 no. I was Ow. so glad I didn't recognize the name. I was like, don't know what you just said. I can't go on the internet until I've watched all again. I'm of rewatching Thrones. Game of Thrones. And, I started the rewatch. Yeah. Uh, nearing the end of season two. Media Black. Battle of Blackwater Bay just happened. So good. So good. That one shot when you like. The, explosion. the wildfire explosion. So, so, so good. So we're getting with the podcast now. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, we got to move along. Sorry. Uh, next topic, Capcom's pricing for the Resident Evil Switch ports. This is uh, drawn a little bit of uh, some negative publicity for Capcom after so much goodwill, so much good going for them. I'd say currently it's a little bit of a minor blemish. So essentially, Capcom recently unveiled the prices for the upcoming Resident Evil Switch ports they have planned coming in May, I believe. So it's Resident Evil 1 HD, the remake, uh, Resident Evil 0, and Resident Evil 4. They are all going to be individually priced for at $29.99 US dollars, about $30. For RE0? <laughs> it's a little much. There you go. <laughs> And Kyle, for comparison's sake, these games, the same exact versions of the games, yeah. available on PS4, Xbox One, mm-hmm. $19.99 each. Yeah. That's still too much for RE0, by the way. Um, so, a developer friend of mine, who I will not name, okay. has oh. told me many times that for stuff like this, it's just more expensive to port and to make stuff for the Switch. It's just different. Games on a cartridge, the little thing, are different than a discs. Is it going to so, be a physical release? So the Switch tax is the the what it's been referred to now, what Huber's yeah. describing. And even one. if it's not physical, it's still like a little more work to get it on the Switch versus the other consoles. That's what I've been told by a developer. and So I don't um, think this is too huge of a deal. Huh. Um, it is kind of unfortunate that it, it is pretty expensive, but I... The, the, you laugh at zero, and I agree that's, that should be less because I look at Nintendo's backlog. I look at games like Mario and Mario Kart and Zelda that remain 50 or $60 for like 20 years. Resident Evil Remake and Resident Evil 4 are masterpiece classics that you could charge $60 still to this day, and I think it would be fair. I would not complain about it. So, yeah. For- I think people are just... This will, I mean, it's unfortunate. It, 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 it's when you look at it on paper and it's like 30 here, 20 here, what the hell? You know, a little more research into it. For, before I counter that, Kyle, mm-hmm. uh, you were asking about physical. Let's play a game. Okay. Only one of these three will have a physical version. Mm. Which will it be, Kyle Bossman? RE4. Nope. Uh oh. Nope. Zero. Resident Evil Zero is the only one to That's get That's how they get away with maybe release. charging 30 as well on that. I don't know. That's weird. The others will strictly be digital versions. Harsh. What? What? Now I'm one of the angry commenters. I'm about to write an angry comment. <laughs> uh, there's, a, there's a collection, too, for RE, for RE Zero and Remake. Uh-huh. That is $59.99 for the Switch version. 60 bucks, Even more expensive than you bought them individually. And only still comes with zero physical. That uh, that version is cheaper on PS4 and Xbox One as well. Um, Switch tax, dude. Switch tax refers <laughs> to again what the physical cartridges cost a little bit more money than discs. This is the go back to the N64 error. This is the whole argument about one of the main arguments. But Kyle, yeah, I guess that makes sense because you have to charge the same as physical and digital, right? So you you have that starting baseline, right? You have that yeah. thirty dollar physical RE zero. This is the 
least we can charge for this. And so then that becomes the baseline for what they have to charge for everything else. That sucks, but I guess that's the reality of what they were thinking. Yeah. As far as we know, none of these versions includes anything unique or different from the most recent HD uh, remasters. I don't, I don't think there will be. Yeah, I don't think you can. So, and there there's be. been no comment from Capcom. Uh, people tried to reach out to get a clarification on this. Mm-hmm. So here we. So here's the thing, uh, Huber. Mm-hmm. Um, Educate me. Physical version, I can understand because it costs the cartridge cost. Yeah. So you got to add a little bit more. Yeah. I don't. Uh, one thing is, as a consumer, I don't understand why digital versions co- need to cost more than the physical versions. Like if all of the versions of the game on current gen platforms is 19.99, and they're like, okay, a physical version needs to charge more because it's ex- more expensive for the cartridge, so I can buy twenty nine ninety nine physical copies. But the digital versions of these Switch games should be nineteen ninety nine. I don't. I hundred percent. I disagree. I am not I, a developer. I don't know. But again, the developer told me that like even if it's digital, you still have to do different work to get it on the Switch. That's why not everything is on. That's why so many games are like PS four and Xbox PC. Okay. Not on Switch because you have to just like fiddle with it and do like Mortal Kombat has a whole separate team. Exactly. So yeah. Can, yeah. So, so, but I mean, so here's some things I would like want answers to to, mm-hmm. to counter that. First of all, these games started off on systems that were not very Resident similar. Resident Evil Remake, dude. GameCube. Yeah. <laughs> originated they're, they're, on GameCube. Resident are not and that zero. similar. This isn't yeah. like games that were developed oh. on PS4, Xbox One, which have like uh, x86 architecture. Then trying to go to Switch, which is you know. They've they've done like like wonders to help get it up to speed like with Unreal Engine and stuff like that. Sure, but it's still some like Nvidia chip. It's still like yeah, yeah. They 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 like they're the Tegra. I, I'm yeah, arguing like, like each version of this has had some like challenges. Sure. To 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 port as well. So I don't think there's been anything extra that hasn't already been needed to be done for other versions that is, that's being done here. I think the same amount of work is going into this that went into all the other port versions, hmm. and thus it doesn't justify a higher cost. Uh, would be my thing. Also, these are older games that are you're getting to run on Switch. It's not like the Switch might be less powerful than PS4 or Xbox One, but it's more powerful than the game. Yeah. It's more powerful than the system that these games debuted on. Yeah. Sure. And it, it should be able, like, it should be able to run anything it ran on a PS3 360. They're porting the HD version, which though. came out on PS3 as and well. And Xbox 360. And yeah. So it should Switch should be able to run those no problem. Yeah. Um. um so I. I, I those would be my like hard questions, like to Capcom. Why are you convince me? PS three? I thought it was PS four. No, I reviewed RE four HD and Code Veronica HD on uh, PS three. Yeah, they were, those yeah. were PS three. But was a remake one PS three? Oh, I don't know about remake four. Yeah, remake and zero. I think might have been PC and uh, Xbox One and PS four only. Yeah, yeah, that one he might be right. But like R for me, RE four is the big one. It's had so many versions. It's come out on so many different systems, and at this point, I mean, it's going to sell. It should like it should be the same price point as the 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 current versions, which is nineteen ninety nine. That well, to me is the most offensive. I think I mean the physical digital parity exists across all consoles, uh, and I yeah. think that's I think that is pressure from retail. I think retail is saying no way you cannot charge cheaper for digital than we sell here at Target. No way we'll like we'll stop stocking your stuff you know what i mean and that's just the pressure from retail um so i really think it's because they wanted and i don't know why it's only physical for zero that makes no sense yeah that makes no sense but i think that's where i think that is the root of everything is that one stupid 30 dollar cart for resident evil zero i don't know that'd be a good question to ask capcom why only resident evil zero 
But uh, we got a few questions from patrons about this, how we Excellent. feel. So yes, first one uh, from Benjamin. Uh, so he wants to know our theories. Uh, why do you think Capcom decided to put RE0 on the cartridge instead of Remake? So they want to, do we have any crazy theories? Maybe and, because it's the least popular? Yeah, maybe. Maybe that seems the most exciting because it's the one people are least familiar with? Yeah. Potentially. Like not a lot of people have played it compared to 1 and 4 and they see it in the shelf and they're like, oh, is this a new Resident Evil? Best Resident guess. Resident Evil 0? Best guess. Prequel, yeah, maybe. new prequel on Switch? Oh, dude, if somebody like, thinks it's a that. new game. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, Benjamin speculates maybe it's a size issue. But it really pushes me away from picking up the physical copy, considering I already have the RE Archives Wii version for zero, and the game just isn't as replayable as Remake. Yeah. So true. Well, yeah. Why bother? This is a good. The That's question. A good why bother to me? Like people need to pose this question to Capcom. If you about haven't played it though with the Wesker, the HD one, dude, the Wesker thing, it's amazing. You just play the whole game as Wesker. In RE0? Yeah. I didn't know about and that. And he like has a speed dash. So people, oh, like, people speed run it. Resident Evil 0 with Wesker. He's oh, like, yeah. <laughs> he has like the punch and stuff. <laughs> it's pretty cool. <laughs> All right. That sounds cool. So he's like RE5 style. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, That's yeah, what, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. M-Bun wants to know. They want to piggyback on Square Enix's pricing of Final Fantasy ports onto this segment. Oh, so sure. they asked for my permission. I said, sure, in your question. Sure. So... Sure. Because while the prices are the same as the PS4 counterparts for the Square Enix uh, Final Fantasy ports, uh, I find it fascinating that these games used to be much cheaper, sometimes half the price on all PlayStation consoles before PS4. And for some of these, uh, for some of these games coming to Switch, they were potentially cheaper at some point as well. So correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is that no improvements were made to these versions of these games being sold. I'm ready to correct you. Uh, now Final Fantasy, they I think they have added features. Yeah, uh, like the the uh, though they have the ability to like turn off random encounters, fully reheal at any point, speed up time. Sp- yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Th- there's there's extra features on that. Um, I don't know how like hard those are at, to add and whether they justify that much of a price increase. But yes, the, as far as we know, the RE stuff has no changes. Right. So that that part's still to be determined. Um, so. They, yeah, they're just complaining about this. They think it seems really shady, and they'd love to, you know, hear our thoughts on the practice of these uh, these price bumps for newer versions of uh, newer ports of older games to newer systems that cost more than they originally did to in the me, first place. This is like the least shady thing you can get in business. Uh, there is a, a larger market on the Switch. People are going to be willing to spend this price, so yeah. why should they not charge that price? New system, new generation of gamers. Yep. Have not a lot, you know, not every single person out there has played any of these Resident Evils. A lot of people that have switched probably haven't. Yeah. It's so. like, the, it's the simplest thing. It's yeah. frustrating. Heck yeah. 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 Like on my PS3, I can go download a bunch of those old RPGs without like speed up time stuff for way, way cheaper. It's true. It's like eight bucks. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, on Switch, Huber's right. There's There are hungry people who are dying to play Final Fantasy VII on a Switch. They could probably charge 40. And this feels so, so much like exploitation though. Because it usually, because usually, you but tra- who's making this price? Nintendo or Capcom? Who do you point the finger at? I believe this is Capcom making the price for this. And Square Enix. And Square Enix. For yeah. the, is oh, it it's a, definitely yeah. yeah. It's is, definitely it a, is, it, is it like a Capcom person and a Nintendo person going in a room and then being like, all right, we want to sell these Resident Evil games, and they like figure it out together, or just like a dude at Capcom is like, all right, thirty on Switch. Thirty on Switch. Just like just it, like that. It's just they open the door. 
30 like, on switch. Yeah, it's 30 on switch. They close the door. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I mean, dude, I don't know. I don't know if there's even like market research or anything, but I know they, they know they, they have confidence in what that will sell on the Switch, yeah. and I can't say they're wrong. They I just can't crunch say this a bunch is... of numbers and are like, all right, if we charge 30, we'll make this much. And... Yeah, and so like it, to me, it's it's hard to say that's shady. Every every business is still, like their best interest is making the most money, right? Um, but obviously there is exploitation, as Damiani said. Yeah. But in terms of simple, a price on the box, I can't call that exploitation. You have every option to not buy it at that point. Uh, to me, exploitation is, you know, deeper in um, and, and, you know, something that you're not necessarily given the option about. Um, it's just be mad at the people. Be mad at those people who are just going to spend it. They're going to buy it and they're going to give Capcom a oh, square. Oh, yeah, it's going to sell. They're going to send them the wrong it's message. Gonna it's going to sell. Uh, that's the who to be frustrated with. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, like, I, I can't fault either of those companies for taking their biggest titles and selling them for as much as they can get for them. I just get upset that when I buy something digitally, I can't have access to the same exact version on newer platforms when they of like course. reintroduce it. If you add new features, that's a new thing. That's a different thing. I can I understand why that's a new purchase. And the more I've seen of behind the scenes stuff with like coding and emulation stuff like that, the more I start to feel like I want to call BS on. It's a lot. It's hard to bring like this version of the game onto a newer platform. I'm like, oh, oh, oh really? It is. Is it? Are it you telling? Are you calling Huber's friend wrong? No, no. Uh, for older games, I yes. think so. It's still hard. Dude. So you're telling me? Yeah, so you got to test the you're whole telling me thing. Like an N60, like a, a Super Nintendo N64 era game is really hard to put on the Switch. N64, yes. Dude, N64 for sure. The Wii U emulation of N64 games is bad. <laughs> Tommy's not buying it. All right. Okay. He's not buying it. All right. We need a developer roundtable on this. I shouldn't say bad. I shouldn't PS3 say bad. PS3 games, I can see as the exception because the cell processor and the architecture of the PS3 is a pain in the butt. But PS2 games, I, I don't understand how any GameCube PS2 era game can't. Is it really that much of a pain? It is, dude. Because Money. like it's and it's just like stupid little things. Just yeah. like, oh, that stupid little thing doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Why is that not working? And then we gotta yeah. go in and spend a week trying to figure out why yeah. that one stupid little thing is working. Because you're jamming a like I want, you know, you're jamming an N sixty four game which has its own infrastructure onto something completely different. Just and you're trying comments. to make it fixed. The comments know? will tell you, Damiani. The comments, comments are they're ready to go. Let's go. Yeah. So many devs out there. There's link some devs it. who are link ready the to stuff. unleash. Yes. Link the stuff and, and just know you're justifying these higher prices. So <laughs> you're, you're you're you know, you're, you're yeah, be careful. Be care- no, I'm kidding. I'm I'm very curious. I understand it's a more complicated topic. I think me. I think it's not hurting me too much because I'm used to my whole life staring at those Nintendo greatest hits boxes. Like Super Mario Sunshine on GameCube was like fifty dollars for a decade, <laughs> yeah. you know. So I think just growing up with that mentality my whole life, it's like, whatever. This, you got me, Nintendo. I'm yeah. used to it with you. Nintendo, straight up. I don't blame Capcom here. I blame Nintendo. Yeah, Nintendo. <laughs> I think Nintendo's biggest perpetuator of this because they uh, they protect their their, their value mm-hmm. uh, very vigorously. Yeah, they don't lower their prices very often on anything. They keep games full price many years after their release for people like, wait, what? Um, they'll do like million players choice bestseller versions of games eventually. They will participate in like certain 
Black Friday deals, like online sales every now and then when everyone else is doing it. But in general, they keep their prices the highest, you know, for, for, for the longest time. And people, you know, always point to that and say, like, what the heck? You know, yeah, what the heck? Like the, and then, like, more recently, the Switch ports, you know, Tropical Freeze. People want, like, oh, really? You're charging that? Oh, and and when, the Wii, when the Wii U version's this? <laughs> and it like we, ran, we ran into yeah. that. The Wii yeah. U version was cheaper, and people got outraged mm-hmm. about the Switch version costing what it did. They're, they're like, oh, okay, Nintendo, what is this crap? You know? And Now they really can get away with it, because it's like, yeah, you can play it on the go. Yeah. Could never play Resident Evil. You make like this. You're so right. Take Huber, Resident Evil 4 anywhere so you right. want. Yeah. You're right, Huber. <laughs> Most articles I read researching this... Their theory is that because Switch is a hybrid console, that mm-hmm. Switch tax isn't the physical cost of a cartridge. It's the convenience of being able to play on the go and on a console. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is like it's a it's basically a, a two system thing. So hybrid. Uh, what you touched on briefly, Damiani, though, Cyborg. I expect uh, I expect obviously Xbox is going uh, bring your purchases forward. I bet Sony's going to be about bringing your purchases forward going forward. And then I think with Nintendo's next console after PS5, after Xbox Scarlet, they're going to be forced as well to be bring your purchases forward. I think, I think that I would agree with you, Kyle, because I think they're structuring it in a way now where there's no more traditional virtual console. It's going to, everything I feel is going to be piecemeal through the eShop. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, Nintendo Online Shop. And uh, it will, uh, I, I feel like those will carry over. Because they already did the system unification thing with the or account merger with yeah. the My Nintendo. They pretty much set, like, going into the Switch launch, I think they were laying the foundation for that to be. So what I'm saying is this may be the last time you buy Resident Evil 4. It's up to Capcom. <laughs> this one's, I think. There'll it's be a PS5 Capcom. version. Yeah, there'll be the, the 4K edition. Yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. 4- HDR. Yeah, 4K, HDR. Ray tracing. Um, yeah. Mods allowed. You know, we'll see. Uh, this last question about Ari, uh, Resident Evil. A little bit more of a, a upbeat question about possibilities Ooh, from uh, Gonzalo. Like this. Hello, allies. I did like playing RE4 with the motion control aim yes. on the Wii. Yeah. Blood but, squares by RE. Right? But at the same yes, time, the Wii too. version hasn't aged very well for larger displays. Do you think the gyro controls would add similar level of precision, a similar level of precision? Thanks, love, and respect. I say yes. Gyro, like, it'll, it'll be even probably even more precise. Yeah. More precise than pointing a pointer at your TV screen? We'll see. It won't be more precise, but it'd be appreciated. Mm-hmm. I, we, we need Bloodworth. Yeah, we need Bloodworth. <laughs> we need Bloodworth to do that. You know what? We should make a video of Bloodworth doing the test. Trying does, it out. Because Bloodworth yes. loves motion aiming. Yes. Is yeah. what I don't think like the blood know. verdict. Yeah. 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 Yes. <laughs> yes. Dude, the blood, blood verdict. verdict. The blood verdict. <laughs> Why does that work so well? Oh, sold. We, so sold. We have a series. We've yeah. been waiting for a blood show. The yes. Blood verdict. For the blood eight verdict years is... now, right? Yes. The blood verdict. <laughs> it won't be as simple as that. It'll be uh, you know, the notebook and everything. Yeah. And be like, there was a It'll dead like area. will do a full pros and cons list. Yes. I as like politely and respectfully as possible, yeah. please pressure blood <laughs> to develop the blood verdict. The blood <laughs> please. <laughs> Um, but to answer your question, I think, yes, it will look better, and it will have comparable motion controls for aiming. It will look better. Oh, than the Wii version. Oh, yeah. Yes, oh, yes, for yes, sure. Yes, we'll sure, definitely sure. look. Gotcha. Just the Wii version was in HD. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to be so, like, condescending with that. <laughs> but, yeah, good stuff. Looking forward. I- I'm sure it will be a blast to play. I think yeah. RE4 is a little too easy with on the motion the, controls. Uh, on the positive side, you know, again, like we were saying earlier, 
another way for people that haven't played these games to play these games. Right, and to me, that's always amazing. That's what I'm all about. Have every game on every system at all times. I, Let's go. Give I got, everyone the option. I got another quick question <laughs> yeah. to add on top of this. So uh, I think it's clear that uh, Resident Evil's future is with Xbox, PlayStation, PC. They're doing great there. They're, they're crushing it there. Yeah. However, there was a time where Capcom was developing, even during the Wii time, mm-hmm. some like Wii exclusive Umbrella the Chronicles. Chronicles. <laughs> Umbrella and Dark Side, they're amazing. And then Resident- oh, really? You don't like those games? <laughs> Dark Side Chronicles. Dude, Dark Side Chronicles is sweet. And man. then like, Resident Evil Revelations, I like it. originally yes, a 3DS exclusive. Yep, yep. So, this. do you think there could be potentially an RE spin off exclusive to Switch? Yes. If they sell well? Yes. I think there could be two. Yes. I bet yeah. they could make their own little You're Switch game. Definitely. Evil, there'll be a Resident Evil Revelations 3 for Switch. Well, Revelations 2 was on everything. PS4 and everything. So, yeah. I think Revelations now would be multi platform. So, I think it'd have to oh, be yeah. something different. But I think they'll probably market It'll it as the lead on... platform for Switch, Ooh. where the mainline games will be like hmm. marketed for the other platforms. Because Switch won't be getting those. Yeah. But like they'll put like Revelation. Like, they even, might even do a play it first on Switch deal. Dude. Hunk you know, Chronicles. For the Hunk Chronicles? The Hunk Chronicles. Yes. I want a blood verdict. Yeah, I need a blood verdict. I'm not uh, I need a blood verdict, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Phone <laughs> a friend. Blood. Uh, politely and respectfully. <laughs> yes. Apply that pressure. Oh, uh, we could yeah. talk about Resident Evil forever. Sure. But sure. I want to move on to uh, Masahiro Sakurai mm-hmm. did an interview with a Nintendo Dream, a uh, Japanese uh, ma- uh, publication, uh, sorry, a magazine. Um, talking about a whole bunch of things related to the development of Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Um, it was for their 300th uh, issue, I believe, or some two hundred. Was it two hundred? I think so. Sure, because they said that we got you for the two fifty. It's either the thirtieth anniversary or the three hundredth ep- volume. Three hundred sounds okay. maybe wrong. I feel like it's been around longer. I don't not know. important. But it's Nintendo That's Dream. not an important correction. No. Weird, That's not getting in the yeah, next episode. That's not an important <laughs> correction. Blood, what's the verdict? <laughs> but uh, early in the interview, uh, they talked a little bit about uh, the kind of like the, the process of creating this game, how more intense it was, uh, hours put in, stuff like that. And Sakurai basically talked a little about his work work ethic in regards to this. Now, keep in mind, Sakurai is a freelancer, technically. He gets to set his own hours. And he even admitted in the interview, he, he, if he could get his work done in a day, you know, that would technically count as doing my work. But that's not what he did. So he came into work every single day. But he had a personal rule of he had to leave by 10 p.m. in order to avoid extreme overtime. So in the office every day till 10 p.m. What time would he get in? 8 a.m.? Didn't uh, say. No, didn't say, but assume normal hours that everyone else gets in. Like 8 or 9? Yeah. I'm assuming around there. But during this, he uh, he basically told the interviewer that he experienced frequent uh, stomach problems during his work. Ulcer, dude. And uh, didn't know if it was like, dude, the food poisoning. He made like a joke about how he prepares his own food and he knows he cooks it thoroughly. And he thought maybe someone else touched it or something, and that's like, some oyster. Yeah, like yeah. Yeah, contaminated or something, um, like food contamination. But they asked him, "Oh, so did you go to the doctor about that?" He goes, "No, rather than going to the doctor, he just got an IV drip so he could keep working in the office." It's disturbing. That's that's Ooh. not healthy. It's not healthy, dude. It's the healthiest thing possible. It's IV drip, baby. <laughs> yeah, no Hook more sick days. Coming here, <laughs> IV dripping, baby. 
Um, I'm not spending a whole day on bed. Give me that IV drip. <laughs> oh, my god! Get on stream, baby, with that IV drip. Uh, to, round, uh, to round it out, said he couldn't take a lot of time off for vacation last year. Took three days off last year. Uh, three days before Christmas because he couldn't take off a lot of time during the holidays because he had to continue work on the DLC. Because if he said if he took too much vacation... His workload would then be passed on to other employees who would have to pick up the, the, the slack for him yeah. and didn't want to burden them during yeah. the holidays. Yeah. So, that, yeah, I, I see your reaction there. Yeah, dude, it's not right. Yeah. Like, these pressures of game releases, you know? I, I think I'm at a point where it's like, you know, we used to, we used to give games and, and Valve and stuff a hard time. Like, oh, it'll be out when it's done. And it's like, I almost kind of wish that's how it was now to maybe relieve some of the stress on these developers, you know, let them work on the game as much as they want to and as health, healthy as they want to without extreme overtime and, and getting IV drips like that is, that is a big red flag. That means you are overworked and that is not healthy. So, yeah, I mean, what sucks is there's a huge conversation to have yeah. about, uh, uh, in general, uh, in, uh, you could say global workers. You could say in Japan how, yeah. how the, the pressure is put on workers. Yeah. However, I think with Sakurai in particular, I don't want to get condescending. Because as he says, this is my own choice. Yeah. I'm picking my own hours. Totally. Uh, I do worry about he like I worry about him. He clearly doesn't trust his team. If you read like you read through the whole interview, Hubert, it's like he he like clearly like doesn't respect their decisions. He like lets them do some stuff, and it's like, well, they messed that up. So then I walked in and I fixed that. Uh, it's, this just happens frequently with the yeah. thing. Like he simply doesn't trust them to make Joker. He thinks they can't do it without him. Uh, and so like, I don't know if that's true or not. Like it might simply be true. Yeah, Smash Brothers is its own thing. I think in large part in mostly because of this one individual who is just insanely good at game development, who just knows what looks right, what feels right, what sounds right. Like just, he just has a vision for this. He's a creative. Uh, I don't feel like it's Nintendo putting this pressure on him. No, it's himself. And, but he is still in a mindset where he puts that on himself. And I feel like there's ways. Yeah. There's ways to alleviate that. There's gotta be. Yeah, and what's hard for me too, Huber, is like it's clear he takes so much pride from the end result. Mm -hmm. He is so happy with how well received Smash Ultimate yes. is. And so it's like he doesn't seem to me like someone who's always constantly dissatisfied. Yeah. It seems like he kills himself. He destroys his body and his life to put out these games. But then when they're out, he knows exactly how good they are. Yeah. You know, and so yeah. like it's hard for me to be like judgmental on this. Yeah, Don totally. Miani. But, like, there is the larger conversation about, like, well, he is affecting others' lives. Yeah. He's not forcing anybody. He does say, I think also in the interview, that Nintendo has great policies about this now. Yeah. And that, you know, they are forcing people to go home at the end of the day. Um, but, yeah, it is about culture, right? Like, we, we, we appreciate people who work themselves to death. And it's like, is that really the thing that yeah. we should celebrate? You bring up a good yeah. point. You know? You know, I think of Kojima. Like how he what, gets like three hours of sleep a night. Right. And it's like, hey, if you, everyone can live their life how they want to live it. Right. You know, and if like Kojima wants to sleep three hours a day because he wants to watch movies and make games, like 
Good on you. Yeah. It's just like the IV drip is really, the visual, dude. It's so intense yeah. when I think of that. That is like serious health concerns, you know? Yeah, that would, that would not be allowed to happen yeah. here, yeah. essentially. It would. Dude, if I want an IV drip, I can come. I can, oh, man, like, he, like literally here in I'm a freelancer, baby. Just yeah. like when I said you can't get grabbed on the staircase. The I, mean, yeah. I mean, in like North, <laughs> like in most North American companies, you work for like one with an HR. Sure. They're not going to let you do that. Right. But if you're like James Cameron, you can do it. Yeah. On huh. set with an IV drip, James yeah. Cameron, for sure. Because, yeah. But so like that's the status you allow them to do that. Yeah. He's yeah. like, he's got status. He He's yeah. artist status. You know, he's, it's like, yeah, who will stand up and challenge him and push back on that? that I think. Yeah, that's a problem. Like, it's one, it's part of the culture, but two, it's also a part that is the person in charge who who has, you know, I guess, like, you know, the guts to go tell them you're, what you're doing is wrong. Like, yeah. you should really not do this. And then, you know, all that comes with that baggage. Like, do you, you worry you're crossing, like, a personal line at that point versus a professional line. It's like, hey, you're telling me how to live my life and stuff? You know, you yeah. get into those types of arguments. Yeah. And that's why I usually want, like, an HR because they'll have clear policies and they'll be like you can't do this. It's against this policy. Whereas if you're a freelancer or you're like the creative, like you're the charge of the project and it's you who steps in to say that at that point. And if not, you know, you know, you're on board for one crazy ride, then you have some stories to share, but who knows what kind of like hell you'll go through while, you know, making that, you know, working on that project. And I, that's what I see from this. And like everything you're kind of saying about Sakurai, Kyle, yeah. but I don't trust, you know, my team and stuff, blah, blah, blah. Sounds very eerily similar to stories I've heard about Shigeru Miyamoto, about wow. the upending the tea table thing, about which is not literally doing that. That's like about challenging his the people under him to th- rethink conventions. But there's also the same amount of stories that come out of those the, those great ones you hear, like oh yeah, that's Miyamoto being like creative genius. You hear about oh he like he was unhappy and thought no one could like do this right, and he would have to step in and do it himself essentially. And I don't think it's just related. It's just uh, restricted to Shigeru Miyamoto. You talk about like James Cameron. Like there are every like you know auteur out there yeah. is going to step in at some point. And probably think they are the best to do it. You know, no, I'm the one who knows how to do this. I'll try and give it off to someone, but at the end of the day, I'm the one who's going to step in and finish it. And you see that happen all too many times. Yeah. And yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a it's an intriguing thing. Because it, it, is it their project? Do they have the final say? Is it right to push back and stuff? Like, and who, you know, who does? Like, I'll never miss an opportunity to bring up Evil Within. So I, I was going to uh, just do it, dude. Yeah. 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 yeah, I bring up Evil Within. Mikami did the first game, and he wanted his younger team to step up. He was begging for it for the sequel, and he let him do it. He didn't direct number two because he let his team do it. He was all about at the end of Evil Within one. He's just like, yo. For the next one, I want the young people to rise up. And you just let them do it, and they'd made Evil Within 2, and it's awesome. Yeah, it's a, it's a good story. Yeah. Like, it's good to hear stuff like that. Yeah. It's funny. You learn through failure, right? Sometimes you have to let your yeah. team make a bad joker. And I mean, like, it's it's funny because, like, uh, you can't. At that level, you totally can't. Yeah. But it is it is funny to think of yourself. Because there's responsibility, too, to Atlas and Persona right. team. And Sakurai truly cares about this yeah. stuff. It yeah. is funny to think about being your, on his team where, like, you are just completely executing his vision and I'm not sure you're learning by yourself as your own creative. But, like, yeah, maybe when you get your own project, you can do your own thing. But, yeah, that is funny. It's a totally opposite thing, Huber. Yeah. Yeah. 
Sorry, I need to talk about that thing of Kojima with the re- Revengeance Rising. Yeah. Like, try to let this young team take over. Didn't like where it was going. Mm-hmm. You know, had to brought in Platinum Games to do that. Metroid Prime 4. Uh, you know what? You're just not doing it. You know, this sucks. Yeah. Like, we, we're sorry. We need that's, to get it. That's a, I think that's a whole different thing, but also, like, sort of similar. That wasn't, like, I don't think it was the creator of that series is the one who was, like, saying it was going bad. It was more... I wish every video game had behind-the-scenes documentaries. Like, just get a dude to film everything. Yeah. Like, or- let's get inside this industry. I'm so sick of all these damn secrets and behind the scenes <laughs> and, like, hidden numbers. Like, be open, dude. Even, like, with movies, God. dude. Like, it's not in the... Like, you can't see it on the DVD, but it's pretty widely known when something is going weird or something like yeah, that. Yeah. They, you all you hear of, like, oh, development Reshoots. hell here, yeah. or, like... Or if something's going great, you hear that, too. And yeah. it's, like, just... Show us like mm-hmm. I those God of War documentaries are the best. The PS2 God of War games that have oh, like the yeah. full on. I was scared there was one for PS4 that I missed. They didn't yeah, do one for no. PS4, right? Okay, yeah. they're so good. Got one question. Um, uh, two people asked pretty much the same question again. Bring it out. Um, uh, from Ryan and from uh, from Sod. Basically, I'm reading Ryan's version of the question, but Sod also asked this, pretty much the same thing. Assuming that Sakurai is not directing the next Smash game, uh, which is not at all guaranteed. That's not a fair assumption at all, yeah. Uh, do you think that Smash Brothers would benefit from a new directorial vision, or will the series decrease in quality without him? Yes and yes. If, yeah. like, it will, do, just like I said, you have to fail to learn. Like, uh, let somebody make a bad Smash Bros, almost. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, it's the only way to grow. It's because, like, Sakurai will retire or die someday, right? And then you're left with nothing. Like, you do need to cultivate new talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do need to let new people direct a game, even if it won't turn out right. Um, I think of uh, I think of the like a, a good parallel with with uh, Metal Gear, right? Okay. Part of me thinks, part of me knows this is Kojima's thing from his mind, right? That yeah. whole franchise. It's just it's Kojima's vision. But then another part of me is like, could someone make a great Metal Gear game without him? I think I think it's possible. Yeah. I really do. I think, you know, and, and Smash is so Sakurai. It's like so his franchise. And, and what's crazy is like how similar they all are, you know, to, to a degree. So it's like if you got anyone new in there, it would feel different. Mm-hmm. But I still think it's like, I still think it's possible. But it's scary. The correct answer is yes. Like, I think there is a correct answer to this, and I think it is yes. I would say, because there have been examples of that, good examples of that from major franchises, which have changed creators, essentially. Um, Biggest ones, come just to stick with the realm of Nintendo, um, Breath of the Wild. It's not Shigeru Miyamoto's game. (laughs) It's Fujibayashi directed that. That's their project. And Eiji Inuma oversaw it, but wasn't a director on that. So... Mm -hmm. You look back at like the the like the older Zelda as everyone reveres, you know, basically Shigeru Miyamoto joint with uh, you know, with Tezuka essentially, and you know, the, those two are the creative forces behind the earlier games. They then become like more supervised and outright don't really have that much hands-on involvement other than like their name just appears on the game in the credits somewhere, and then you see you know AJ Anuma take over. Mm-hmm. I think that's the cool. And then like Breath of the Wild, the most radically different Zelda game. It's mostly new staff. It's mostly new people working on that. 
Koizumi taking over Mario, like 3D Mario, turning into like Galaxy and Odyssey versus yeah. like the 2D Mario and series. I remember yeah. it's like the Jungle Beat people, okay. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. yeah, yeah, the Jungle Beat people, we're gonna crush the series. Yeah, Retro, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Retro Studios taking over the re, like taking their take on Metroid. Yeah, you know that that's like a, like it is totally doable and it's mm-hmm. totally possible to capture the essence of a game like someone could come in and make games, a metal gear but i think though like mario and zelda have changed so much so many times whereas metal gear really similar throughout same like smash so similar throughout so i think to a degree i'm not saying they're like well, you know one for one here you don't it's think every you don't think every metal, metal gear is like, pretty a, Evolved. Uh, there's there's, there's yeah. similar things though, but like looking at Metal Gear Solid One, it, of course, it, it's like top down. But like it, from two to three to four, to three, just like a little bit bigger two, and more three, scale. Four are the most probably the most like yeah. similar compared I, to like, like Mario that goes from a side scroller to three D to like flying around to like isometric co op like that has changed so much. And same with Zelda too. But even, like, but like Metal Gear Solid Five. Like open world, like that of was course. that was a huge change for it too. For so, sure, I mean, and that's yeah. obviously going to come with tech. But I'm just saying, like, you know, I look at Smash, and all of those games are so similar. I know yes. they're not, but like, you're right, they are. Of of those four franchises we yeah. just talked about, Smash easily the most similar. Yeah. Between, yeah. The, the, Whereas the, I feel like Mario and Zelda have changed a lot I feel like over the years. Yeah. That type of game, it's like quality of life changes, like balance changes. Mm-hmm. They're, they're still important, and difficult to pull off. It's just. To the, the the naked eye, essentially, it isn't as aside from just on visual a, fidelity. Yeah, it is not much to change, but I it would yeah. But like with, with with Smash Brothers and stuff, I feel like even in that same interview we we're talking about the Nintendo Dream interview and everything we told about Smash Brothers Ultimate. I mean, that's what it's called Ultimate. It's celebrating the whole history of the series. It's everything is pretty much in there, and I just don't. Yeah, I don't. Even if they're a keep soccer, I don't know where you go next. I yeah. feel like you have to try something pretty different. Yes. Yes. You cannot yes. come back to the you same. You can't game. just yeah. reskin it. Yeah. yeah, it will have to undergo something, and maybe it would be for the best if like Sakura was not like the lead on that. He might be a supervisor to give some like input, but they should probably find like I would personally like to see someone a new director being given the chance to take a crack at smash brothers and who knows how many years because they're gonna be supporting smash for ultimate for a long time yeah yeah like, but yeah. also like smash ultimate's insane success has also solidified that it will absolutely have a sequel sakurai or no oh yeah, yeah that's, that's i don't think we'll see another special next system yeah, yeah. um yeah, yeah, yeah. but it will definitely be coming and yeah i would i would hope to see i mean Sakurai really has a, like a creative vision for a new version of smash so be it, you know, like, okay, let him take a crack at that too. Yeah. But if he wants to just, you know, if he doesn't want to radically change the series and someone else has an idea, I want it at this point, I'd like to see someone else's take on it. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. Smash Brothers. But yeah, insane. There's insane work ethic there. Yeah. Um, I know we were talking earlier about like the, the positives of working at Nintendo, but at the same time, it's not like all like perfect. It's not like it, it, you know the grass is always greener. But like know? the sick thing is, I admire it. I know he's like murdering himself to mm-hmm. make this game good, and like yeah. it, he just needs to learn how to let other people handle some stuff. Yeah. But like the insane thing is, at the end of the day, I'm like, I admire that. Yeah. That's the that's the, that's yeah. the tricky part of that issue is it's it's crazy. I can, I can see that. I can definitely. I think see he that. should let people do the DLC though, because that's what Mikami did. He let. 
the director of Evil Within Two do the Evil Within One DLC as, know, as like man. a proof of concept. You just know, let it's him like make Joker. Yeah, let, let him do Joker. Let, let him, him do some characters. Minecraft guy, just let just, him do it. Don't just, even bother. Yeah, don't even touch the Minecraft guy. <laughs> That's the funny thing. You hear about team like uh, developers letting like small like teams working on fun projects that become DLC, like the all like the the like fishing mini games, like have a history of being. Oh, this team was working on like fishing and now it's added to the game and stuff that was like crazy they were just doing their own little thing stuff like that like where younger teams get to prove themselves like it doesn't have to be the whole game but a component and i feel like dlc would be a great avenue to try that it's like all right let's see how you do with this character you know Mm. just one character see how you do yeah and we'll take it from there uh damian i know you're wrapping that one up but there was one really interesting part of that interview Mm -hmm. in which sakurai's talking about how he leaves it at 10 right He, he does fewer work hours and that he allows him to work on other games. He said that in the interview. He, and and like, what are you teasing, dude? Yeah, what, what other games are you working on? <laughs> what? He, yeah, I would love to know what he wants. What else he has to work on? Because he's Metroid always. Metroid Well, no, he's talking about his like he. First of all, yeah, like we just real quick get into it. I mean, Sakurai and, and uh, Iwata essentially are like the creators of Kirby. Yep. And that you know that they made Kirby games before they made Smash Brothers. That was Sakurai's thing, and Sakurai worked on like some like other projects as well. Not all of them came to fruition, but he is first and foremost a game developer. And like in his earliest life, he wanted to go to like a, a vocational school for like engineering or something, and decide no, I'm gonna self taught himself like game development essentially. And had, like he found out he really loved it, and he has like really strong convictions about game design philosophy. That you like, you see throughout his games, especially in Smash Brothers, and I, I, I you know, he he did Kid Rick, Kid Icarus Uprising, and he was very, you know, same attitude towards that game. Like it's my thing, you know, the whole thing about the control scheme. Yeah, like so many people, so a lot of like consumers, like me included, were a little upset that you didn't give me all the control options that were possible. But they were dead set. You need to experience it like this. I you you will understand it when you play it, and you, I want you to play it this way because I designed the game to be played this way. And whether you agree or disagree with it, there's something to be said about someone who believes so much in that, and like they just know in their head, like this is what my creative vision was. I'm not compromising on that. And you have to wonder, like what. His mind can come up with next, you I know. Love uncompromised vision. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's been on Smash for so long. You have to. Un- he totally has to have like other game ideas. Yeah. I'm and, so ready for the next thing. Like I'm really proud they yeah. turned Wii U around. Super Smash Bros. for Wii U to me was not a huge success. He like turned that around uh, and created the the best Smash Bros. game of all time. Apologies to Melee, but like it's just it's there now. Uh, Apologies to Melee. And uh, important corrections. I, I, I'm ready for him to move on. I'm totally ready. I'm ready to. No, Kyle's cor- correct. Kyle's you know, correct. Melee got you got removed from Evo because Ultimate is the like superior yeah, game. Factually. Yeah, factually. Yeah, factually. It's just bare facts now. Yeah, yeah it got a send off video. It's and stuff. It was trivia. <laughs> uh, we got two really quick uh, headlines. Okay. All right. Quick. Headlines. Um, really quick. So the one I was alluding to earlier is that uh, the Switch is still outpacing Wii sales in Japan. Not so this enough, is what we're talking. Not good enough, fire so, Reggie. So this is yeah. So sales in North America are not outpacing the Wii in, in sales in North what they did in North America at the oh, same okay. time period. But Japan, but it in is. Japan it is. So Famitsu pu- uh, publishes weekly sales data for the Japanese market. The most recent report, uh, which comes on the second anniversary of the Switch, uh, shows that it has sold more than 7.5 million units in 103 weeks 
uh, just under two years of release. And for comparison's sake, the Wii took 104 weeks or two years to break the 7 million mark. So it's about half a million or more plus ahead right, of Wii sales enough. today. <laughs> so for Japan, great, great news. Yeah. But rest of the it's world not good enough is, uh, yeah, they're like, come on, pick up the slack, rest of the world. Well, I got a question for you, Damiani. Sure. Because I think that it's actually not pa- fair to compare it to the Wii alone because the Switch is trying to do the work of a handheld and a console at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so do you think it makes up for that? Do you think th- that it is a Wii and a DS at the same time, the Switch? Do you think Nintendo is no. making as much money with this one console as they could with two? No, I don't think they are. But I think in the current environment, mm-hmm. that it does no longer su- it does not support that anymore. Like at yeah, one point in time, so at one saying, point in yeah. time, it was a smarter option to do both. Yeah. But I don't have the exact numbers in front of me. But when I was looking this over for this month, then uh, the Switch outsold the PS4 for the week by nearly three to one, or for the month. Previous month it was two to one. Like Switch handhelds and Switch have been outpacing consoles, tr- like traditional consoles in Japan. It has been clear for a long time they are skewing towards more mobile handheld. Mm-hmm. And there is not a. I, I think the hybrid was the perfect. The Switch was designed pretty much, I think, mostly with Japan in mind. I feel like it was their answer to a declining console market in in Japan. And it's success. And they realized this will probably translate to success everywhere because this is a a hybrid appeals to everyone. And so in 2019, 2018, 2019, I don't think there was room for like a traditional console and a handheld and be doing as well as like the switch. The handheld be running away. The console be adding like a bit more sales. So we'd probably get... Maybe cumulatively a little bit more, but like how much development, research, development, all that to put out to handle two systems, the cost involved with that, sure, versus having a single platform, yeah. And I I think they made the right decision for that. Um, but yeah, like this goes back to the whole argument we were talking about earlier about like some territories, obviously, Japan, Switch is still doing record breaking sales, even for the hardware, yeah. Whereas you know, in other territories, it's still selling well, but it wasn't meeting. The goals Nintendo had set, so maybe that is why, you know, if you want to go down that road, maybe they said, oh, "Sorry, Reggie, North America missed its sales goal by the most of any territory." So right, they're like, "Japan's doing fine." We'd like, we'd like, you <laughs> yeah. know, we don't, we don't know about the marketing or something, so we'd like to maybe change. No, I refuse know. to believe it. I'm just yeah, right, sorry about putting words right, in your right. mouth, guys. Blind theories, yeah. blind theories, you were yeah. just blind theories. I refuse. No disrespect. Yeah, <laughs> but that was really it. Just yeah. like you know, weekly sales still doing well over there, and it is like you know, until I said that, I didn't even realize it didn't hit me in the head that this is this is the week of the second year anniversary of Switch. Could have just done a whole episode on that. Just I was thinking about it for the, but like I don't know, it's kind of tough, dude. I think next episode I'll do a two year thing. Okay. Yeah. Like for the Easy Eyes podcast, I'm like, do I talk about like the second year? I don't know. Talk no. about just how good. <laughs> Breath of the Wild, it, dude, because that's it. <laughs> like the whole legacy of the Switch to me is those games, Odyssey and Breath of the Wild, yes. that came out in the first three months of it, right? Yes. Like it's just like yeah. okay, all right, yeah, <laughs> moving so, on. Yeah, I, I, if there's no, I don't. We'll see if there's any news at GDC. Um, but if there is no major news, yeah, I feel like next episode could totally be like a two-year like anniversary reflection. Episode. A retrospective on like how you've used your Switch for the last two years. Oh, yeah, we can br- ask uh-huh. each panelist bringing their Switch. We'll go through their uh, profile to see their most played time. That's a really good idea. We'll That's that. an episode. Okay. We'll do that. We'll do that. I'll be the starting segment of the next episode. That's really good. Um, final the little headline. Huber, 
Yeah. Turok coming to Switch. Yes. Literally today, listing for the N64, yes. N64 game found on the, the sh- uh, shop pages for both North, uh, US and Canada. Have pages up for it. Techbo, dude. Coming Let's go. Those March, tech arrows. March 18th, 1999. 20 bucks. 20 bucks. Where you at, Capcom? That's, that's cheaper What's than up? N64 version. <laughs> Has What's that up? been on PC? Yeah, they yes. didn't okay. do a remaster HD or something. Got yeah, it. Yeah, okay. One and, and two. And there's a new studio that got it. Nosedive or something hmm. or Night Dive. Or I forget. It's one of those something close to that. Uh, acquired the rights because, you know, Iguana claim, you know, no longer. So, yeah, the uh, right analog stick's the most important thing. But, like, if it's already on PC, they'll figure it out. My favorite thing well, of yeah, all the time. Just the, the C stick, the C button is a service yeah. dual analog, so you just need dual analog now. No, see, like the C sticks were strafing, so left and right C stick you could strafe, and then there's some there's well, some like, like design you conversion. You can remap there, that to a modern controller yeah. easily. You have strafing and stuff in modern games. Yeah, yeah but I think it's you not can even do. You can even like, have like a square triangle. Oh, like it's like ABXY. You have shoulder buttons now. And stuff. It's yeah. like try playing Goldeneye with an emulator and telling the C C stick the like your right analog stick is a C buttons. It doesn't yeah. doesn't feel quite right. Like it, it does need some yeah. design there. Yeah. All right. But I, I mean, they have it down. If it's already on PC, like that's yeah, not an yeah. issue. It's going to be awesome. A. And plug in I, your. I think it's going to sell well. I think it's going to sell. Sorry, plug in what? So say uh, there's GameCube controller support. Nice. Uh, but that's C stick. I'm trying to remember if there's N64. Remember that N64 controller patent will finally come out. They're going to release N64. I said they're going to release. N- I said there's never going to be N64 classic humor. Yeah. I said N64 controller will come to Switch. It's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, it's coming. N64 controller for yeah, Turok. It's Launch. coming. Watch. This is we're this, getting a Turok direct next week. This is a a piece of history. Check it out, dude. Turok. Like this was oh, the this was this was the first game I ever bought on N sixty four. Am I remembering this wrong? Did it's Michael cool. Dorn, the voice of Worf, do Turok's voice? I don't remember. Oh, I want to know. That's an important correction. It's important I don't correction. know, but Turok cost me eighty bucks at what? Target when it came out. Oh, because yeah. of that yeah, that's eighty old bucks. School. The old Nintendo tax. Yep, the old yeah. Nintendo tax charged $80 for yep. this game when it came out. Begged my mom to get it. We went in, like my mom, my brother, and I. We got Turok. Came home, progressed a little, got to the first save spot. Didn't have a memory card. <gasps> Had to go back, buy another memory card Put for like cart. 40 bucks. An $80 cart did not have a battery save Correct. in there? Oh, come on. Correct. Come on, Acclaim. Yeah, it was brutal. <laughs> Such an investment on this game. Um, I bet there are a ton of thirty-somethings who are like dying to buy this game. Yeah, they wouldn't buy it yeah. on PC. They're like, but they'll absolutely buy it yes. on Switch. Yep. So hyped, dude. And my favorite thing of all time is theorizing a remaster means renewed interest in a franchise. It's a taste. It is a it's taste. A little taste test. I think the Turok reboot was like two thousand eight, which is like a swimming in seven to me. Uh, but I would just love. Love a new Turok. But do you reboot it again? Yes. Or do you continue on? After like Turok three, sorry, dude, new reboot, new reboot again. New I'm done with that. 100, yeah. 100. I can't, I can't, can't confirm or deny like the original game. No idea. Oh, okay. I don't remember why I said that. Like I thought I read it in like probably a different game. But anyway, any yeah, news Turok. on uh, Seeds of Evil Turok two? Maybe that's next. Even. I hope so, dude. Turok two is Turok where two. it's at. But Turok coming March 18th. New game announcement. So cool. We'll sort new game. Port announcement. And before we get any important corrections, I I understand how different. Metal Gears are. I'm just saying with the naked eye. Not important. With no. the naked... Well, you know someone already typed in an important correction. And I gotta say, Huber, like a real like weird moment for me was realizing how similar the MSX Metal Gear is to Metal Gear Solid. Yeah. It's like, oh, wait, yeah. all this stuff the already blueprint. happened. Yeah. 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 It was really weird. And yeah. so like, I hear you, dude. 
That blueprint you mean lasted MSX, a long time. Metal Gear yeah. Solid, Metal Gear Two. Yes. Yeah. And, which we didn't and, get here. And even the Metal Gear One, dude. Like even just like, oh, they have codec conversations. Like mm-hmm. everything, dude. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to see, Huber, if you get your dream of a. I got a lot of dreams. You willing to happen, dude? We're getting an N64 classic, dude, this year. Mark <laughs> it down, man. Are you still going in on yes. that, Huber? This is the year. No, you're not getting one. What was the last one they did? Super Nintendo Classic. What was Nintendo's next console after that? Then, well... After after Virtual Boy, Virtual Boy. Was That's filler, answer. dude. That's filler arc. <laughs> okay, filler does arc. not count. Okay, filler arc. No Virtual Boy. What was Boy. their next console? Home okay, console. Nintendo sixty four. But you do, right. did you miss the point where soon to be retired Reggie Fizame said that they are not doing any more classic consoles? Yeah, remember the patent for the Game Boy Classic? Even like they patented this technology where you just like clasp your phone into a thing. It's like now nah, we're not doing that though. You know, actually, it is concerning that Turok is coming out on Switch now. Maybe they were holding it for the N64 Classic, and now because the N64 Classic <laughs> isn't happening, they're putting it on Switch? I don't know, man. Oh, now Damiani has me doubting. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> no, Stay I tuned. still believe. I still Stay believe. Tuned. Stay tuned. Yeah. Stay tuned. That is gonna that is gonna wrap it up for this episode. Um, thank you to everyone who submitted your questions for this episode of Friend Code. If you would like to submit your questions for consideration for a future episode of Friend Code, uh, you need to be a $5 and up patron. Um, the week that we'll be recording the episode, I'll make a Patreon post, which will call for your submissions. Also let you know the topics we'll be talking about and, uh, keeping your questions about those topics will increase your chances. They will get selected, uh, to be asked on this episode. And also if you're $5 and up, uh, Patron, you are part of the early access here where you get this episode or get episodes of Friend Code, episodes of many of our other shows uh, early uh, before they go public on uh, YouTube. Um, the exception to that fine print is extra episodes of Friend Code that are recorded in between will go up immediately for both patrons and for public access. Because so, it's hot news. Hot news. Got to get it out. Can't, can't sit on it, unfortunately. Um, don't like that? Let me know in the comments. Uh, I'll be open to suggestions. But again, yeah, thank you for everyone's questions. Thank you both for joining me this week. And until next time, may the way of the hero lead to the Triforce.